0: Hey, what's up? We're Brave Youth, a youth movement happening all across Miami, starting at our home, Brave Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We can't wait to see how God's going to use it to change your life. Enjoy the message. How many of you have ever been in a place where you feel like Sometimes your life has been so good, right? You've been doing all the right things. Your family life's been good. Your friend life's been good. Your spiritual life's been good. But then something happens like summer, and you can admit... I've gotten a little lost before, right? The excitement, the fun, everything that's happened. We have all been there. But I believe tonight is a super special night because tonight you get to decide what your summer is going to be and who you are going to be at the end of summer. Because here's the deal. Summer is not supposed to be a time where you lose yourself. Where you just drop everything. Where you sit back. Where you just go with the flow. No, summer is supposed to be a time where you find yourself. Where You find God, where you find purpose, where you find something more about yourself. But here's the deal so many times we've used summer break and we look at it and we're like, ah. I just get to chill for a season. Here's the deal, guys. You might be on summer break, but the enemy is not on summer break from you, okay? He is out on the prowl. He is ready to attack. He is ready to get you to a place where you feel temptation all around you, where you feel attacks all around you, where you feel isolated, okay? And if you do not decide what your summer will be, let me tell you, the enemy will decide for you what your summer will be. And the enemy will decide for you who you will be at the end of this summer, And so, guys, I want to challenge you as we go through this message, okay? dive in. Go forward. Don't go backwards. God didn't intend summer to be just a time where you take a step back and where you turn your eyes off, where you turn off your phone from the church, where you just stop responding to your leaders, okay? He wants it to be a time where you go deeper, where you get intimate, where you get hungrier, okay? And I can guarantee that if you commit these next three months of your life to saying, God, take me more. I don't want my time to be wasted. I want it to be something good, something to be fulfilling, something to be exciting, then let me tell you, you chase after God, he chases after you. He shows up in your life. And this could be a summer that seriously changes everything for you. But you have to decide. Why wait? Why wait for a school year to start changing your friends' lives? Why wait for a school year to start reaching out to people on your school campus to be able to say, you know what, hey, God's got purpose for you. God loves you. Why wait for that? Why wait until graduation to start living your life like you were made for something? Do something now. Why wait for camp to have an encounter with God? There has got to be something inside of us that we just get tired of waiting. we just get tired of waiting and we say, you know what? I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to the place that my life doesn't have to be put on a bench where I sit here and I just wait for God to do something because here's the deal. 90% of your life, let me rephrase that, 10% of your life, God will be asking you to wait on him to sit still. And those moments are precious moments. Those moments are the moments that you hear the voice of God where you go deeper. And I think God's going to do that for some of you this summer. But here's the deal. I believe that 90% of the time in your walk with Christ, God is not asking you to wait and to sit still. He is asking you to move. Move towards the things that he has already given to you. Move towards the things that he wants for you. Move towards these good things. And it's so funny because so many people say good things come to those who wait. I don't believe that to be true. I think that God wants to say, hey, I've already given you good things. I have already showed you the way. I've already given you my word and good people around you. I need you to move towards that. I need you to move towards that. And so tonight, I want to talk to you guys about something that I know that we have all dealt with. Leaders, you can agree to this. Students, you can agree to this, okay? And it is the phrase, spiritual schizophrenia. Turn to your friend and say, spiritual schizophrenia. We're going to talk about what that means tonight. All right, let's pray real quick. Dear God, we just thank you for today. Lord, we pray that you would just move in this service, God. You would speak to our hearts, God. We thank you for every person that's in this room that's come from Brave Wars, Lord Jesus. We know that it wasn't just for games, but it was for purpose. Because you want a relationship, and you want encounters with Him. And so, Lord, right now, I pray that you would speak to us in a new way today, God. That you would do a new thing in us. That we would hear you. We would shut out the distractions, God. And just say, God, speak to me tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. <clears throat> Give it up for Jay. Woo-woo. She's awesome. So how many of you guys have ever known somebody with schizophrenia? Okay, you've met some people with schizophrenia, right? Okay, if you haven't, here's what schizophrenia is. Schizophrenia is a medical condition, okay, where somebody, where you believe that you have more than one personality living inside of you. Now, here's the important part. It's sometimes referred to as like a split personality. You guys heard of that before? Yeah, okay. Here's the thing, is that they usually are two completely separate personalities that don't actually match each other, but they actually interfere with each other. They actually do not like, have the same personalities, the same conditions, or anything like that. Has anybody ever seen the movie Split? Okay. Right. There's like a man that has 24 different personalities and you'll see him acting out all of these different things. And he will literally jump from one person to a next person with a different name at a different age, all of these different things. But because of his schizophrenia, he has all of these different personalities that are living inside of him. And here's the thing about schizophrenia is that you become so familiar with the personality that you are currently acting in that you completely don't even recognize the other personalities that are there. And so I think sometimes when I talk about spiritual schizophrenia, right, I believe that that can be so true for us Christians, that we have this spiritual schizophrenia, that we can be so convinced of being this church personality, right? We can be so bought into this worship, be jumping, be going to all of camps, retreats, all of these different things, be with good people, good friends, but... At the same time, if we're so sold out to that and then fun comes into the picture, then summer comes into the picture, right? We can get a spiritual schizophrenia where we become somebody completely different. Somebody that is completely unfamiliar and unrecognizable from this church personality that we have because now we have this, hey, it's summer break personality, okay? And that is not what God intended for us, but it's so easy to be the trap that we fall into, (laughs) you <laughs> so easy to be a trap that we fall into, and sometimes we are so back and forth. Has anybody ever known somebody? Anybody ever been there, okay, where you feel back and forth, like, do I really want to go all in with this? Do I really know what this means to be a full Christian? Do I really want to surrender everything? And if we're not careful, we can become so unfamiliar with our relationship with God, and so familiar with our relationship with fun, with summer, with the beach, with all of these different things that we can completely lose ourselves we get these split personalities and here's the deal here's some symptoms of of spiritual schizophrenia for you guys okay one symptom is where you have two worlds in your life okay and you have these two different things and they're trying to these two different types of life and they're trying to merge together but the truth is that they can't because they're too different. They're too different. God didn't intend for us to be in sin and to be in his will all at the same time, right? That's why he went to the cross and died and said, hey, I'm going to make a way for you to be able to not have a sinful life, but to have a free living life, right? He didn't intend for us to have two different worlds colliding, but to be in one world, to be in his world, to be in the right way, okay? Number two, this is an idea that you could become spiritual schizophrenia okay is if you start to feel awkward when you are hanging out with your friends because you're a christian you might be on the verge of developing this split personality if you begin to feel awkward because you're hanging out with friends but your faith is now being tested and i'm going to tell you this summer you are going to have encounter and hang out and things after things that you're gonna be in those situations and you're gonna have to make a very real choice. Am I gonna let my personality be split or am I gonna be able to be remaining as one person? Another way that you could be on the symptoms of developing spiritual schizophrenia is, you start looking for ways to make excuses For your non-church world to fit into your church world okay you start making excuses like oh god's already saved me from this and he's given me unlimited grace so if i go over here and i go to this party and i drink just a little bit like it's okay because god's got grace for me right you start to make excuses for the life that you want to live okay versus the life that you know that you're called to live And if you're in that place, then you're in a symptom that you're getting close to the line of saying, you know what? I don't care if I get burnt because I know God's going to heal me. And that's not where we need to be. A place of grace. God wants to give grace to us. God wants to be there for us. God will always, always, always forgive us. But there is also a scripture in the Bible that talks about if you know truth and you turn your back on truth, then where are you going to be? That's a scary thought. you would hate that you would hate I would hate it if somebody came up to me and they knew the truth about something and they chose to completely you know, have you ever given advice to someone before, right, and you like have this conversation with them and it's like the best advice ever and you're like, man, that was good. Where did that come from? right? You feel good about yourself, and then you go on Instagram like three hours later, okay, and you see they're back with the boy that you told them to break up with, and you're like. What in the world? I just spent like an hour of my life trying to convince you not to be with this person. I thought this was good. We were on the same page, right? Okay, and they're back with that person. You're like, bruh, okay. So many times, that's what it's like. That's like the symptom of what we're trying to make excuses for something that we know isn't good for us, but we make excuses for it because we know God's always got us. It's a scary place to be, guys. There's another thing. You're on the edge of spiritual schizophrenia if you're trying to play both worlds and you start to feel this spiritual identity crisis start to happen in your life. What do I mean by that? I mean that when you walk into church, you feel like you no longer fit. When you walk into youth group, you feel like something is off. You feel like you've lost a little bit of passion. Now, I'm telling all of this because I want you to be aware of the symptoms that can come, okay? It's like a sickness that can take over your body. And if you don't recognize the symptoms and heal those symptoms before it gets you, then you're going to be stuck with a disease that's going to last forever. And so if you're in a place where you walk into this room and it starts to feel like, oh, I don't know if this church thing's really for me anymore. no. That's a sign that the enemy's trying to get you to say, you know what? No, you've got a split personality, but I actually want you to choose the side that's not walking with the Lord because you're going to have more fun here. He's going to lie to you and make you feel like this is going to be the route for you to go, but that's not the case. God does not want that for you. And you start to compromise your Christian friends for people that will just accept anybody, right? I never want to be second best. To anything, right? Um, Pastor Jerison is amazing, okay? And before we were dating, we went through this long period of time where we had to decide, like, hey, is like, are we gonna do this thing? Are we gonna, like, really, like, date? Are we gonna get married? Are we gonna do all this stuff, right? And we were, like, in this season of, like, uh, but do we really, like, wanna give up, like, all of our singleness, all of our freedoms, right? Okay, like, we were going through this whole thing and we had to decide, you know what? No. I, I want to be somebody's first choice. I want to be somebody's first glance. That when they wake up in the morning, that's the person that I want to be with. And here's the deal, guys. That took time to develop. And for you, that's going to take time to develop in your life. That when you walk with God, it's not always like an instant reaction, an instant transformation where you're like, oh yeah, I want to read my Bible today. Okay? That is not always how it happens. It's something that has to be developed over time that you start to choose one choice after one choice and then you start to make this domino effect and then all of a sudden the word of God becomes appealing to you and then it doesn't just become appealing it becomes something that's necessary and a necessity in your life and so what you have to do is you have to start making choice after choice that's going to lead you up to success that's going to lead you up to success the other symptom that could start to come is doubt how many of you guys have ever experienced doubt before right? Doubt begins to build, and you start to have this super tough time imagining that God could ever have something good for you, that God could ever actually care about you. Doubt starts to set in that your family will ever change, right? And you can develop this this schizophrenic world when you start to settle and start to say, you know what? Yeah, doubt is what God has for me. No, no, God is certain. His word is true. He has never changed ever. And he is saying, no, I am the same forever and ever. And I will forever be the same to you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And he goes and he's so strong. His word is so faithful. Who he is does not change. And so as the enemy sends doubt and tries to get us into the split personality, we have to recognize that doubt was never in alignment with God. Doubt cannot match up with the character of who he is. The next schizophrenia symptom that it could be is that you start to become offended and you start to become defensive when people start to call you out on your crap. Okay? When people start to call you out on the things that you know you're doing that are not right. Right? That's a symptom of schizophrenia. And if you start to feel that offense and that defensive spirit that you feel like, ugh, like, who are you to tell me, like, who you tell me that, okay? Like, weren't you like that before? No, okay? Because here's the true thing about the body of Christ, is that every single person in this room is here to build each other up. We are here to build the kingdom of God, to build the church, okay? And if someone comes to you and they're like, hey, why are you doing this, okay? It's out of love. It's out of love. And if you cannot accept out of love, then you might be in a symptom where you're leading down a road to having a spiritual schizophrenia personality, The last thing that is a symptom is that your friends and your priorities begin to change. You start to have more fun on the fun side than you do the God side. The things that were important to you, church and youth group, are no longer a number one must on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, but instead, going to the beach is a number one fun. <laughs> Hanging out with people that are doing things you know you shouldn't be doing, that's a number one thing, a priority in your life. And when those things start to change, you've got to recognize, like, hey, what am I balancing What's gonna be good for me at the end of this summer? Who am I gonna be at the end of the summer? And. Um, <clears throat> I found this story that I thought was super funny because I feel like um, I would be the guy in this story. Um, and uh, it says uh, on New Year's Day in 1929, there was two teams and they were playing um, for the Rose Bowl, which is football. Okay, I know you guys are not huge football fans here, but they were playing for football. Well, you think you are, but none of y'all can actually play. Just kidding. Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. love you guys. Love you guys. Love you guys. Okay. Okay. But. In this game, there was this guy, and his name was Roy Regals, okay, and uh, he just recovered this fumble uh, for California for his team, and what happened is he got the ball, and he was hype, okay? If you recover a fumble, it's like a big deal because you, like, get an opportunity that you didn't have for your team to win and get a touchdown, okay? So he recovered this ball off of the ground, and he started running. He sprinted. He's sprinting 65 yards, okay? He is going down the field, and he's, like, thinking in his head, like, man, like, yeah, I'm doing this good, right, okay? Like, I am the man right now. Until all of a sudden, one of his teammates came up to him and tackled him, okay? One of his teammates came up to him and tackled him. Now, here's what happened. He recovered the football, okay? Okay? thought he was running in the direction he was supposed to be, but actually he was running towards the other team's goal, okay? And so when he got down, he ended up going. He got tackled by his own teammate who was actually saving their team, okay? And he got tackled, and he was like, "What in the world. And when he found out what he did, he was like, take me off the field what am i doing i'm never playing football again like could you imagine if that was you like how embarrassing would that be 65 yards that's like is that like the length of the gym that's more than that like two times this gym right that's a okay it's big it's big okay that's a long way to be running and to be (laughs) to be like super embarrassed okay um And so they go, they go into halftime, all of these different things. They go into the locker room and the coach is there and the coach is just saying nothing. How many of you guys play sports? Okay. So those halftime talks, you know, like those are the times that you you get your stuff together, you're like, okay, here's the next plan. This is how we're gonna come back, especially if we're losing all of this stuff. And the coach was completely silent the whole time. And everybody was wondering, like, hey, are they gonna pull this guy? Is he gonna play for the rest of the game? And all the coach said was, Hey, the people who started the game last time are gonna start the game again, okay? And that was this Roy guy, okay, that understood this whole thing. Okay? And the whole team's like Are you serious but they all get up they listen to the coach they go out to the field and Roy sits back and he's he's there and he's upset he's like coach you cannot put me out there again okay I just humiliated our entire team and potentially lost us this game and the coach said to him he said you know what it's the first half Roy, did you hear me? I said the people that started this game are going to go back out there, and they're going to finish this game, okay? And he gave him another chance. How many of you have ever been in a place where God has just given you a chance that you didn't deserve, okay? He has said, you know what? You messed up, but I'm going to give you a second chance to redeem yourself. And it wraps up the story and it says that Roy went out there and he played the best game of football. They said that it was like they have never seen this man play football like he played before and made the comeback win, okay? It's incredible because here's the deal is that if you get knocked down, okay, if you develop this split personality or you see things going, I want to encourage you, do not spiral downward. Do not just stop where you're at and say, I give up, I'm giving up on my dream, I'm giving up on what god's called me to i'm giving up on this faith journey because i just can't do it do not do that because you know what god is saying to you he's saying no i am giving you a second chance get back up i believe in you i've called you to it i will continue to bring you through it and so here's some things that i want to leave for you guys okay quick four points for you guys is the first thing is that you can develop this schizophrenia, okay, when you are too busy serving two different things. In Matthew six twenty four, it talks about how no one can serve two masters. They can't. They either will have to hate one and love the other, but you cannot love and hate at the same time, okay? Taco, my dog, okay, when he attacks me, all right, which is often because he's kind of psycho, okay? Um, When he attacks me, I get mad. I'm like, I like threw him into his cage one time, and Darius is like, you can't do that, because like, now he's aggressive, and it's your fault, okay? Um, (laughs) But I'm like, I know, okay? And I was very upset because he had just attacked me. I was like, bleeding everywhere, but at the end of the day, literally five minutes after this happened, I went over to him, and I was like, I love you so much, Taco, okay? Like, I cannot hate him and love him at the same time. I can be upset with him, but I love him at the end of the day, no matter Matter what, but a lot of times we try to live our lives loving something that we shouldn't, or loving something that we shouldn't, and hating the things that God has for us because we want to choose the fun thing versus the real thing. And it says you cannot serve both God and the enemy. And so maybe you're in this place and you're feeling like you're a little split, you're a little torn. Here's the deal: God wants you to choose. God is not a God that will force himself on you. He does not say, you have to do this, okay? He has given us a free will to live the life that we want for us, but he has also made a way for us to be able to choose something that's going to be better than we could ever imagine. The second thing, second point here is that you have started to violate this treasure law. How many of you guys have ever heard the scripture, um, let me see what it is, Matthew 6:21, Matthew 6:21, and it talks about how where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So many times we use this in the money kind of sort of context, OK? But I believe that treasure is some different things. Treasure is your thoughts. Treasure is what you think about. It's the time that you spend on things, and it's the things that you talk about. And so when you read that, it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you think about, there your heart will be also. What you talk about, there your heart will be also. What you spend your time on or who you spend your time with, there your heart will be also. And the terror can start to come, the, the split personality can start to come when you start to feel like, you know what, maybe I'm violating one of these three things. Maybe I'm giving my time to something I shouldn't. Maybe I'm thinking about something I shouldn't. Maybe I'm talking about stuff that I shouldn't be, okay? And you start to violate that, and you begin to develop this sense of split, right? And the third thing is choosing the wrong friends, choosing the wrong friends. And I know we have talked about relationships before, but the reason we continue to talk about them is because they're real, okay? The people you surround yourself with, I guarantee that you have friends that you, oh, this is so funny. When I was growing up, I had this girl and we were like best friends, okay? And she was like the sassiest person in the entire world. And my parents, I would come home and I would backtalk my parents. They would get so upset with me. And they would be like, you are starting to act like so-and-so. And I'd be like, no, nah, I'm my own person. But then as I started to go on, I started to realize we say the same phrases, okay? We we laugh the same. People would be like, oh, is Autumn in the room? And I'd be like, what, Autumn? And she'd be like, yes, that was that sounded just like Autumn. And it was me laughing. It was the weirdest thing ever. But you start to look, this, you start to dress the same, right? You start to have the same style. That all plays into the fact that you are going to end up being like the same person, whether you want to or not. The things that are attractive to them will become attractive to you. And who you surround yourself with will determine who you decide to be. We got to choose the right friends. And the last thing is just the classical spiritual warfare the classical fight, right? That sometimes being a Christian isn't as easy as it seems. That sometimes it feels like, oh, your leaders have it all together, but there's no way that I could ever get to that point. Here's the truth, is that the only way that you are able to combat the attacks of the enemy is if you are able to be able to be so deeply in your word, so rooted in the identity that God's called you to be. The only way that you are able to withstand and to, to move forward is if you do not have this idea of who am I going to be, but you know certainly that God has called you his son, God has called you his daughter, that he has made a way for you to be in his presence, and that you don't have to wonder the outcome. I can do this real quick, but there's two men in the Bible that tell us so good. They show this so clearly. They go back and forth with who they're going to be, and it's Judas, okay? Anybody heard of Judas? Judas. Judas is in the Bible, and he's sitting there, and um, they're at the table, and they're talking, and they're, this is one of their last suppers with Jesus, okay, and he says, Jesus says to all of his closest friends, he says, hey, someone in this room is going to betray me. Someone in this room is going to betray me. Someone's going to give my name up and tell them where I'm at so that I can be killed and be hung on a cross for something that I did not do, and everybody's like, what? No, Jesus like, we're your best friends. There's no way that we would ever, ever do that for you. And they went out, and it says that Jesus gave Judas this bread. He said, whoever I give this bread to is the person that's going to deny me. So could you imagine being there and Jesus just saying, hey, hey, Cammy, you and you're like well I don't want that like it's not going to be me right and he gave it to him and so Judas got up and he left and he went and it says in the Bible that he left from where he was at and went to the people that he ended up betraying Jesus to he went directly to them. How many times when we get upset with things that are happening at church or at home or with good people, do we run to the people that we know that we shouldn't, and then we end up messing up, right? Judas went straight there, and it says that he stood with them, and in, he, and in the moment, he betrayed Jesus. How sad is that? Talk about schizophrenia, right? You were just eating dinner with Jesus, saying, I don't want that, okay? And then you did that, right? The next person is Peter, Peter was there, and he's sitting there, and, and they're saying, he's sitting there, and he's telling Jesus, Jesus, I would die for you. Jesus, if there's any way for me to be the person that, that takes this cross, okay, I would do it. Let me be that person, okay? And he's saying, and then Jesus looked at him, and out of nowhere, and Jesus, Peter was one of Jesus's closest, closest friends. It actually says in the Bible, it describes Peter as the one that Jesus loved, So he was like one of his best friends, and he's saying all of this stuff. And Jesus is looking at him. He's like, bruh, I know what you're going to do, okay? Like, I know what's going to happen here. And he ends up saying to him, he said, you know what, Peter, you're going to actually deny me. You're going to deny ever knowing me, ever having association with me, ever knowing the miracles. He walked with him through ministry to be able to see dead people raised from the grave, to see people healed. And he said to Peter, he said, Peter, you're going to deny me. And again, Peter's like, "Nah, (laughs) no, I'm not. not." Like, Jesus, I know you. I love you. I'm going to be with you. And he said to him, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. And so he went and he was like, you know what? That's not going to be me. Started walking with all these people. And sure enough, they're in a group of people. And somebody asked him, hey, do you know that Jesus? He said No. And he, I, I bet he was like, no. And then he was like, instantly regret. Like, what? Why did I say that? What did, has anybody ever done that? Like, where you're like, you know the answer, but then you're like, whoa, what just came out of my mouth? Right? Okay. I feel like that was like Peter in that moment. And then again, he's asked, he said, hey, do you know that, that son of the Messiah? He said, no. What is happening? <laughs> like, what? He's like, waiting for the rooster. Okay. And then they ask him one last time. They asked him, do you know Jesus, the son of God? And he said, No. And instantly he heard the rooster crow. I love this story because not only does it show the split personality that we can have, that even the closest people to Jesus could walk away in an instant, but I love this story because it shows that Jesus knows the beginning and the end, and how true is that for you, that you do not have to worry. You do not have to worry about your sin, about the things that you've done, but you have to know that there is a God that knows your beginning. He knows your end. He knows everything in between, and he is going to stick with you until the end of that. And so if you guys would just stand real quick, we're going to wrap up really quick. I don't know where you guys are at in this room, where you are at the, this, this uh, scale of spiritual schizophrenia, where you, where you feel like maybe you're torn or maybe you're all in or maybe you're the best your relationship's ever been with God. But here's what I do know is that all of these situations are very real. And if we don't get to a place where we're able to say, God, before I know the outcome, I just say yes to you then we will not make it to the next place that he has for us. And so you guys can all bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're in here and maybe you're the person in this room that you're just saying, hey, God, I've been in a place right now where I'm struggling to love you full heartedly because I can't hate what my friends have to offer me. I can't hate what the world has to offer me. That all sounds fun and appealing. But God, I want to choose you. I don't want to be split. I don't want to be torn. I want to be completely surrendered to you. If that's you, I just want you to look up at me real quick. Awesome. The next thing is maybe you're in this place and you're starting to feel like you're developing this split personality because your treasure feels like it's being torn. It feels like the things that you think about don't line up with the things that God wants you to think about. The things that you talk about don't line up with what God has put into your word. They don't line up with the word of God. And the things that you spend your time with on and the people that you hang out with are not people that you would feel like you could actually be in church at the same time with them. But you're saying you know what? God, this this season, this summer, I want my treasures to be lined up with everything that your word has to say, and I want your will to prevail in my life. If that's you, I want you to look up at me real quick. Awesome. Next person is just the friends. <laughs> you're saying, you know what? I know my friends are wrong, but they're the only people I have. And in this season, this summer, I am praying and declaring right now, God, that you are going to send people in this group, in this room that are going to be able to surround each other, God, that are going to be able to be family to each other, Lord Jesus, to be able to lift each other up so that they will not fall, God. I pray right now that people would just begin to be able to feel a connection between the person that they're sitting with, God, that you are going to do something great in their groups, Lord Jesus. And the last person is maybe just the person that feels like they can't endure. They can't make it. They need encouragement to make it to the end. And I believe right now that God wants to tell you that, hey, I, he has picked you. He has chosen you. He has called you to be here, and you are not here a mistake, but he has put you in this race because he wants you to know you can make it. You are going to finally see him at the end of the day, God, that you are going to dig in, and you are going to be able to find him and experience his presence And so right now in this room, I just want everybody to repeat after me. We're going to say a simple prayer, and we're just going to ask God, because here's the thing with God. So many times we complicate him, and God just wants a simple prayer, a heart after him, a surrendered heart to him. And so if you're in this room, let's pray this together and just believe that God is going to work in our lives this summer and say, Dear God, I give you my life completely surrendered. Would you make this summer A summer where I desire you more than anything else. I give you my life. I give you my friends. I give you my time. Use it so it won't be wasted. I want to be with you. And I want to know you more. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, 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 awesome. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you like this message, hit subscribe and stay connected by visiting us at brave.guide. We'll see you next time. And remember, no turning back. The best is yet to come.